0: When we refer to our our teacher professional growth or our leader's professional growth, it's not just a training that we're looking for, it's also that support that's provided when high quality feedback is given. And so whether that feedback is through a principal, a system principal, or one of our literacy coaches, we wanna ensure that the feedback they're receiving helps them to grow.
1: The results they've been immediate. And we had one of the biggest shifts in the state. It's it's almost magical when it all comes together. And I think to myself, this is what education is about. There were inequities everywhere. My students in South Texas ultimately taught me more than I taught them.
0: Over 40% of our students were leaving third grade with less than proficient reading skills. And that was just something
2: we had to stop. The bottom line is that we can prevent reading failure. We can change the trajectory of these students' lives. And I just want to
1: shout from the rooftops, it can be done.
2: From Glean Education, this is Ed Leaders in Literacy, a podcast series that features educators and administrators who have made hard decisions about instruction, curriculum, intervention, and school systems to close the achievement gap and build equity by improving literacy. First, a word from our sponsors. Go ahead and state your name and title and what you enjoy about working here.
0: My name is Mark Lonergan. I am the Director of Operations at Hegarty. And what I love most about working at Hegarty is feeling that what I do is truly making a difference in our children and growing them to become stronger readers.
2: Hegarty's daily phonemic awareness curriculum is used by over 450 school districts nationwide. Learn how you can get started at hegarty.org. That's H-E-G-G-E-R-T-Y dot O-R-G. I'm Jessica Hammond, founder of Glean Education, and on the show today is Shanna Bieber and Katasha Edwards from the Louisiana Department of Education. Shanna Bieber is the Director of Literacy at the Louisiana Department of Education. Over the past 20 years as an educator, she has served as a classroom teacher, instructional coach, district curriculum coordinator, and literacy coordinator, as well as an executive master teacher. Shanna not only has a deep passion for literacy, but also for coaching teachers. This passion led to the development of the department's literacy vision to have improved student literacy outcomes through high quality instruction and interactions by effective teachers supported by leaders and families. She prides herself on the progress Louisiana has made in such a short amount of time and is honored to lead the literacy team as they strive to provide every child with what they need to become skilled readers. Katasha Edwards is a Literacy Leader Professional Development Specialist at the Louisiana Department of Education. Over her two-decade career as an educator, she's served as a classroom teacher, assistant principal, and principal. Currently, she supports the strategies and initiatives aligned with the Louisiana State Literacy Plan, with an emphasis on resources and support for school and district-level leadership. Katasha truly believes that learning to read is a civil right and considers it an honor to support statewide literacy outcomes for all students. Shanna and Katasha, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Hi, Jessica. I'm delighted to be here today.
2: It sounds like you're doing some wonderful work at the state level. To get us started, tell us a bit about your roles at the department and what brought you here.
0: Sure, absolutely. So I'll start off a little bit about what brought us here and then we can go into our roles that we currently serve. So we began by looking at all the literacy data. We have a new superintendent. So Dr. Brumley came in and instantly knew that this was an area that he wanted to address as um, our fall 2019 scores showed that only 51% of our percent of our students K-3 were reading at proficient levels. And then in the fall of 2020, which was after the pandemic hit, we had a decline in our literacy rates, and that dropped to 45% proficiency for our K-3 students. And so we knew that this was a huge area. We were not okay with those numbers, as you can imagine. And so we knew this was an area that needed to be addressed. And so Dr. Brumley decided to put literacy as a top priority across the department, and created a literacy team to come in and lead this work. I was brought in as the Director of Literacy to jumpstart this work. I started off with a small little team of only two other people, and since then, in the last year, I've been excited to say that we've, we've expanded to six of us, and Katasha is one of One of the people we've been able to bring on is to support our leaders, as we know our leaders definitely need the support in supporting our teachers that are really doing the um, heavy work. So I'll let Katasha introduce
1: herself. Thanks, Shanna. I am an educator of 20-plus years, and with my background as a school-level leader and a foundational grades teacher, Uh, This was kind of like my dream job, my dream position, because I'm able to focus on literacy and leadership simultaneously. So in my role at the department, I'm able to build out resources and supports as well as be a resource and support for school and district level leaders. And we know that if we want to have true systemic change related to literacy practices, that leadership has to increase their learning around literacy. So I'm excited to be a a part of this process.
2: That's fantastic. Shannon, give us some of the background behind some of the changes that have already taken place. What went into laying the groundwork for the initiatives that are now underway?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely starting looking at that data. And, and I will say that, yes, COVID took a big hit on our students, but our data was not pretty prior to even COVID. This has been a need for a long time, especially for many of our subgroups as well, where the, the proficiency level is even lower. And so we knew that there was something that needed to be done. We were very fortunate that we had a early literacy commission that was brought in to look at the data and make some recommendations for the department to act on. And then in 2020, we also received a $2 million state fund to help pilot a literacy coaching pilot to really help us determine what were those big moves we needed to make across the state in order to increase our literacy scores. We had 13 schools that participated in this pilot across the state, and we chose our comprehensive intervention required schools, which are our most struggling schools. Um, to participate in this pilot. So we had 13 literacy coaches, and then we hired two literacy coordinators to support that work. And throughout that time, they focused on high quality instruction, um, provided through high quality materials. They went through a science of reading training. They developed their, their intervention plan as well And then they also focused on families. And so we had some key findings that came from from this pilot. And those four key findings were that goal setting is essential, time and materials matter, intensive professional development is necessary, and that families are essential. So those findings then led us to what we call our four literacy pillars. And all of the work that we do is grounded around these four pillars. And so we truly believe that literacy outcomes will increase when, number one, our schools create and monitor literacy goals. Number two, we provide students with high quality core instruction partnered with explicit literacy interventions and extensions based off of student need. Number three, we provide teachers and leaders with ongoing professional growth around literacy development. And then number four, we, as I mentioned, families are an essential role in the literacy development of children at all ages and stages. And so that led us to those four pillars I just mentioned, and all the work we do is grounded around those four pillars. So the strategy that we built out, the collaboration we do with other divisions around the department that impacts that work, such as academic content, our assessment team, our diverse learners team, every time we have conversations around this work, we constantly come back to those four pillars. And then we were really excited in the spring of 2021, we had two big policy pieces that were approved through legislation. And we really think that these two big pieces are kind of like what got the moves rolling. And so one big one was Act 108, and this requires that all of our K-3 teachers and leaders, leaders meaning our assistant principals, principals, literacy coaches, that they're all required to go through a literacy foundations training that's grounded in the science of uh, reading. We have extended that offer to our teacher preparation providers, which is exciting. Um, We've had a large number of our university professors that have jumped on board for this training, so we're really excited about that work. And because I mentioned our superintendent has put this as a priority, he has also put aside additional funding from our ESSER funds, the state set-aside funds, to pay for this training for all the teachers as well as the teacher preparation providers. So we did not put that burden on the school systems. They already have the burden of having to do the logistics of getting all of the teachers and leaders trained, but we're excited to be able to fund that for them.
2: Well, that's amazing that you can support them in that capacity as well.
0: Yes, because what we know is Louisiana in the past several years has done a great job of identifying high-quality instructional materials. And we really believe that the piece that was missing was the teachers understanding the why behind those materials, the why we don't skip phonological awareness activities, why there's a scope and a sequence to decoding. And so we really felt that the content, the teacher knowledge piece, was really the missing gap. And so we wanted to ensure that they had the opportunity to
2: get this training. And it seems the bridge to implementation, too. Not just the why, but how to implement it in the classroom. Correct. And then, the, and then including yeah.
0: the leaders in that as well, because we know our leaders are going in the classrooms. They're, they're providing support. They're providing walkthroughs with feedback. They're providing observations and evaluations. And so we want them to also understand what they're looking for and what teachers are expected to do when it comes to teaching children how to read.
2: And so you mentioned Act 108. Was there any other policy that also supported this work?
0: Yes. So we also had Act 438
2: and we like to call that one our
0: our literacy bill on steroids because there was so much that was put into that literacy bill that it really brought some great initiatives um, for our, our teachers and leaders. And so act 438 requires um, we currently had a fall literacy screener that we were doing, but it also requires not only that fall literacy screener, but an annual literacy assessment that would be taken at the end of the year as well. um, To identify the students who are below grade level also for our teachers to be informed of where our students are at um, to be able to share those reports with our, our parents and our families so that they understand the interventions their students are going through at school. And then on top of that, what are some things they can support their their children with at home? And then also it would become a part of our district and school's performance scores, which is something that has never been done before. And Louisiana is excited to to lead this work, um, to really put accountability um, all the way down to, to kindergarten, especially when it comes to teaching our children how to read. The act also included requiring teacher preparation programs to equip our pre-service teachers with the knowledge around the science of reading and preparing them on how to teach children to read. And then the last big piece was requiring that all of our K-3 schools have a literacy plan. And in that plan, not only do they have to provide the data and the goals they've set, but they have to also provide the actions they're going to take in order to meet those goals. So things like what high quality instructional materials will they be using? Um, What will their literacy blocks look like as far as scheduling is concerned? How will they plan to provide students with those interventions and extensions I mentioned earlier? How will they continue to support and provide professional growth for their teachers as well? And then ideally, how will they also include their families in this work too?
2: What occurs to me as you're talking through all of this is this incredibly holistic view of how to support school districts. So we have all the pieces that are recommended by research, high quality PD, uh, intensive assessment that is universal. I hear high quality curriculum, um, focus on implementation and instruction that's backed by policy. It just seems like what you guys are doing is giving these school districts the systems to put this in place and support this literacy improvement statewide. And I think that that's thrilling to hear the organization behind it. So I commend you. <laughs> that's amazing. We
0: appreciate it. It's, it's been a long year, um, some overwhelming times, but we're so excited about the impact that this work will have. I mean, you, you can't ask for any bigger impact on the life of a child than to ensure that, that they become literate.
2: Was there any states that served as inspiration to this model that you guys are building?
0: Well, we're Louisiana. So, of course, we're right next door to Mississippi. And Mississippi has made huge gains, you know, really highlighted on their 2019 NAEP scores as, with all of the growth. And they've been great partners with us. We're excited. We're going to go do a visit with them soon. But we have, we've had lots of collaboration opportunities for them to share the moves that they made as well. So
2: we've definitely partnered with Mississippi a good bit. In mentioning Mississippi, it kind of cues me back to something that you had mentioned earlier in your discussion of the work that you are doing at the department and that you guys are doing on the state level regarding coaching. Can you talk to us a little bit about the role of coaching in this implementation model? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, research shows that a teacher can sit through a PD,
0: a sit and get, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they understand how to apply that or what it looks like in implementation. So providing the literacy coaches And I'll I'll take a step back real quick to say that the literacy coaches that we've provided through our grant funding, we were very lucky. Dr. Slack was on the team. She's since retired from the department, but she was able to get us a $100 million literacy grant. So we had the comprehensive literacy state development grant for $100 and that's how we are funding our literacy coaches this year across the state. But we are putting them in our schools that need it most. So we have our comprehensive intervention-required schools and our urgent intervention-required schools that are receiving these funds. And so they're in our schools that have our our striving readers. And so, as I mentioned with the implementation piece, oftentimes some of your most struggling schools have a harder time retaining teachers or they typically have a large number of uncertified teachers. And so we wanna make sure there's extra supports for them What we saw in the pilot is we had teachers who said this is amazing that we have someone who specifically is focused on supporting me as a K-2 teacher and that's all this person does is help me to grow in my journey as a teacher in providing what our students need most. And we know that if there is a lack of educational opportunity in kindergarten and we've already created large gaps from kindergarten to first grade from a lack of educational opportunity, then those gaps will only continue to get bigger as they move on through the grade levels. So we just wanted to make sure that our earliest um, learners are receiving the biggest supports that they can possibly have, which is through a high quality teacher and how to implement all that new learning that they're getting through their training.
2: And I love that idea that it's supporting. It's not evaluative. It's a it's an effort to make the work of those K to two teachers easier and support them in their implementation. Katasha, were you going to add something? Yeah, I was just gonna
1: piggyback off of what Shanna shared about the literacy coaching pilot, and you know, the pilot was where uh, these initial key findings were used to develop the pillars. But in, in this current school year, in the 2021-22 school year, those literacy coaches have expanded. It's been scaled to where we have 221 coaches across the state. And they're supported by, we're in the pilot, there were two regional literacy specialists. So we have now 16 regional literacy specialists that are supporting those 221 coaches across the state. So, And another addition is that where we were really like focused on K to two in our pilot, our coaching has been expanded to pre-K to 12. So I think that we're going to see continual gains as we continue to scale out that coaching. Does it look different?
2: Does the coaching model look different in elementary school versus the higher levels?
0: So what we're seeing is it doesn't look that different. They're supporting ELA instruction in that core instruction, but we have students all the way to 12th grade that are struggling to read and still need those interventions. And if anything, I think the upper grade teachers struggle the most with knowing how to support them. That's not the training they went through as a pre-service teacher or even the training they get currently. And so having that literacy coach there to support how to help our students who are in those upper grades that are still struggling to read, how do we support them and how do we help um, bridge the gap? And then I'll add in, we're really excited. One of the big pieces we'd like to move forward with is also to get literacy coaches in our early childhood networks, because the data also shows that about 40% of our kindergartners enter kindergarten ready. And so we know that there's some work and literacy starts all the way from birth. And so we know there's some work that we can be doing in our early childhood networks to support literacy development as well.
2: Are there any partners that you have for research that are kind of working with you to assess uh, these pieces and how they're working?
0: So I'm part of the Excel and Ed Early Literacy Network, which right now, I believe it's 21 states, if I'm not mistaken, that are all part of this network. And we come together and we collaborate the different uh, literacy leaders across the the nation that are in this this network. And then um, I also have... Westat um, where they've supported some of the work as well. Um, I have a, a little group of, of a little team that, that supports our literacy work and is, and is there to, to lend a hand in whatever research we may need. But then I'll also give a shout out to our Louisiana department's um, research team. We put in a request and they do a phenomenal job of, of digging into the research and literature and, and providing us with that information as well.
2: Mm, that's exciting. Um, So let's take just a quick step back if we can and dive into kind of those four pillars a little more, because I think that people are looking for a formula or a recipe for success. And it's almost like you've broken out these kind of four steps for statewide literacy success that you want to kind of keep your eye on. So I'd love to hear more about goal setting that you mentioned. So when people are looking to kind of create goals either for their school or their district or their counties or states, what kind of goals are you looking for that a school should have in order to support these lofty goals of literacy improvement?
0: What we're asking for school systems to do is really start paying attention to that literacy screener. So you take them at the beginning of the year, and what does that mean for a student? How do you break down that data to really determine where each child is at and what their individual needs are moving forward? Whether that is to intervene because they're below proficiency, or whether that is to extend their learning because they're at grade level or above grade level. And so we're asking them to set goals around their literacy screeners, around those diagnostics, and then pinpoint an area to focus on, and then progress monitor that area. Really to emphasize individual student needs, placing them in flexible groups so that you're able to move in and out of those groups based off of what the results from
2: your data is showing you. Katasha, did you want to add something to that regarding
1: goals? Well, I would just say that we really want to move beyond compliance, like that we're not administering those early literacy screening measures out of an area of compliance, but, but we're looking to really see the value in it. And like Shanna said, we're going to use that to drive, even drive our instruction. You know, We have this tier one curriculum, but based on what our students need, what are those intervention pieces look like? You know, how how are we supporting our students in small groups based on those literacy goals that we set? So just knowing that pillar of explicit instruction with a high quality curriculum, that it is supported with those explicit interventions and extensions, because I think that gets lost. We really target interventions, but how are we extending in areas where students may be at benchmark or above? So just really looking at the whole child. And so looking at instruction
2: and curriculum, if a, again, school district or state is looking to make sure that they have what is evidence-based and high quality, what does that look like? What are the components they need to see in order to know that that instruction is high quality and that the curriculum
1: is supporting that work? In Louisiana, I would say the high quality curriculum has been a focus here for a while. So there is an instructional materials review process. So, you know, we, we want school systems to feel comfortable that if they're selecting a curriculum from that high quality materials list that it has been vetted, but the training that's being provided is gonna really expound on the implementation of the curriculum. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, this piece is a high quality tier one curriculum, but if it's not implemented correctly, then that's where some of the loss, a learning loss occurs. So I would say just really, you know, focusing that instructional piece around the science of reading, which uh, all of the pillars are all of these moving parts at the same time. So, you know, if, we, if we're hitting on all of these parts simultaneously, we're going to see growth in all areas.
0: Agree, Katasha, because how do we know that the curriculum is working? We'll see it in our student goals that they've set.
2: And I think it's really important to call out and highlight the work that you guys have done historically with regard to curriculum in Louisiana. And the Louisiana Believes curriculum review site is one that's really nationally recognized for promoting high quality reviewing and promoting high quality curricular materials that are standards aligned. And um, I just think it's important for our listeners to know about that as a resource as well. And so when You make the important point about the professional development that helps link the curriculum to the instruction and the implementation of it. Um, What are you looking at for your professional development opportunities? You had mentioned science of reading. Can you tell us some of the elements that you look for at the state level to support your teachers?
0: I mean, I think it's important to note that we're not just talking about professional development in the form of a training. So we have definitely set forth, I mean, in through literacy policy, um, Act 108, to ensure that our teachers do go through the training. But I think it also adds on to the importance of teacher collaboration and encouraging our schools to create schedules that allow for opportunities for teachers to collaborate. And then on top of that, I'll add in the professional growth that occurs when high quality feedback is given and so whether that feedback is through a principal, or assistant principal, or one of our literacy coaches, we want to ensure that the feedback they're receiving helps them to grow. When we refer to our, our teacher professional growth or our leaders professional growth, it's not just a training that we're looking for. It's also that support that's provided through leaders or us as a department and the supports that we provide, the supports that Katasha provides. And I'll let Katasha share a little bit about even our professional development series that we've placed out as well.
1: Two things that come to mind with with our discussion, the building out our literacy library, we really have just this really amazing team. It would have been amazing if every one of our six people could have been on because everybody adds a different lens that they operate through. So uh, just a shout out to our team, but really in, in that literacy library, We have built out these leader PD series that are available for school and district level leaders, but there's also a companion series for teachers that one of our colleagues has built out for teachers because we know that all teachers are going to receive that science of reading training, but we can't wait until their district signs up. So there there is a teacher PD series that's an introduction to the science of reading where school and district level leaders may want to take that into their PLCs and utilize those resources and materials to support them. We want to be able to support schools and districts where they are, you know, be able to tier that support. So that's a very important piece of what we're doing with the PD team, but also equally as important is um, professional growth for families. So if you look into our literacy library, there's family engagement strategies and family literacy engagement strategic plan outline for school systems to be able to engage their families around literacy implementation. Because we know that you know, teachers are important, school leaders are important, but families are equally as important. So getting us all on the same field with supporting student literacy outcomes.
2: And I love the emphasis on supporting the school leaders with building their background knowledge so that they can help lead their team because they're the ultimate evaluators and the ones that drive the change, but often they don't have the opportunities for training that their teachers might have. So I I think bringing them in is such a critical component.
0: And, And I'd like to add in real quick, one thing Katasha didn't mention and that she leads is we also have our office hours. We have our science of reading office hours. We have our literacy calls that we place so they can call in and Katasha and a few other um, team members are on the call or they can just ask those questions like this is what we're struggling with or this is what my, our teachers are are struggling with as they're going through all this training and all these shifts that they're making and that we know are super important shifts that need to happen but sometimes you know change is scary and they just need to be able to jump in and troubleshoot and have a thought partner and so that's something else that we've We've gotten good feedback from that. They're just there and, you know, jump on and ask a question and we'll do what we can to support you. And then also, we'd love to come see you in your schools. So our favorite days are the days that we get to go into the schools. We get to see the kids. We get to see the, the, the changes that are happening. and We get to highlight those. And so that's that's something else
1: that another area of support we're providing our leaders and teachers as well. Absolutely. Just some of the most rewarding experiences I've had at the department is just being able to be a thought partner with a school district. You know, them, like she said, giving us a call and say, hey, can you jump on a quick Zoom and let us know what you guys think about that? So that it helps us as a department to know what kind of resources may be necessary to build out and support and just being able to, you know, just be a resource. You know, we always let them know that we are a visit or a Zoom away
2: and I love that because it shows a dedication to this as a journey. You know, sometimes you put things in place at a very high level and then there's not a lot of follow-up. And the problem is that it doesn't trickle down into implementation. It seems like from that one anecdote alone, how committed you are to the journey of what this is and the realities of the process. So do you guys have, what would you say are the biggest barriers that you hear to this implementation? And um, in what ways are you a thought partner to overcoming some of those barriers? I think
0: one of the biggest barriers right now is just how overwhelmed teachers are. Mm. We have teachers leaving at rapid rates, Mm. they're retiring or they're changing professions. They're exhausted. Mm. I mean, life took a huge turn in the last 20 months. And so I think that's one big barrier that, that we struggle with, you know, retention. And here we are asking you to now commit to an additional 50 to 75 hours of training to improve your practice. So we've really just tried to be thought partners with school systems on how to support that learning. And so whether that is some of that learning happening during those teacher collaboration times or on those teacher professional development days that are already built into the system, some school systems have chosen to incentivize. We have one school system that like they're calling them literacy champions as they're as they're making moves. And, and it's amazing how excited they are just to be acknowledged for the efforts efforts that they're making. But yeah, that's definitely one big barrier. Another struggle has been our hurricanes. You know, I would love to have shared our fall 2021 data with you, but we're just now wrapping up because we had some school systems that were out for eight weeks. You know, we, we came back to school and a week later, we were hit by a hurricane that wiped out large number of areas, including you know, the areas that that we live in. And so we're still waiting to get that fall data, which it's almost December. and here we are wishing we had it three months ago. but unfortunately, you know, we had school systems that that needed additional time. I mean, and that wasn't we needed to make sure they could even get into schools. And so that's been, again, a, a challenge, but that is, as Katasha said, We are a Zoom away or a visit away, and and that's what we've had. We've had school systems call and say, hey, we originally planned to have literacy coaches, and we can't find enough teachers right now. So the thought of pulling teachers from the classroom would create additional vacancies. And so we work with them on how to use their classroom teachers as as mentors and and literacy leaders to help still support that, that growth, especially through the teacher collaboration piece. So that's just a couple. Natasha, I don't know if you can piggyback on any of those. Yeah, I was
1: just going to add that, you know, even with the challenges with COVID, I think that our superintendent coining Louisiana as having a reading revival and keeping literacy as a priority and a focus. So even with the challenges, with everyone being on board, that this is a focus and that we're you know going to go back and look at literacy no matter what, I think that it's helping to prioritize literacy, especially foundational literacy, and that once we're able to stay the course, and we know that this is not going to happen overnight, but you know, in a couple of years, we're going to be able to see the fruits of the work that's happening. So I think that right now, just developing trust and buy-in with teachers and prioritizing the priority of literacy, which our state is doing a great job of, we're going to be able to see those outcomes that we want to see.
2: That is so wise. And I love that you said that, Katasha, that it is not going to happen overnight. And, you know, even though you weren't able to collect the fall data, the truth is this is a long-term investment, right? I mean, what are you guys giving yourself in terms of time to see results? How many years are you giving yourselves? What, What is the goal? So
0: we looked at Mississippi, the amount of time that it took from their time that they passed policy till they saw those big gains. And so right now we are looking at also increasing our NAEP scores. So when next year's kindergartners get to fourth grade, we're hoping to see an increase of 10 scales points. And that's really the goal we set Well, you know, it's a lofty goal, but I mean, it's what we want for our students.
2: And if my team has
0: anything to do with it, we're going to see that happen.
2: (laughs) I love that. Well, you talk about setting goals as an important pillar of the work they're doing on the district level, and I think it makes sense to set goals for the work that you're doing at the
1: state level too. So Katasha, where do you see this work going? We're continuing to look for opportunities to expand our team. Most recently, we were able to add a six to 12 person to our PD team. So there in that area, we're expanding, expanding our reach, you know, beyond that K3. And she's going to really focus on 412. So we're looking there. And we already spoke about adding those literacy coaches in the early childhood arena. So then we're going to be expanding our reach from birth to 12. That, that is one of the areas that we're primarily focusing on.
0: And then I'll add in our families. I think that's the next big place that we've begun to put some things out there for families. We know our next step is the outreach piece. How do we ensure that they have access to these materials? I mean, we said literacy starts at birth and our families, they want this information. And so we want to be able to give it to them. And so when we can bring everyone together, our teachers, our leaders, our families, our community members around um, increasing our literacy rates, then everyone wins. And not just now, but in the future, our economy and just our overall opportunities for our children, that we we want them to have the same opportunities every other child across the nation can have. And so we want to ensure that we equip our teachers, our leaders, and our families with the information they need to help this
1: happen. And a key part of that, too, is we talked about the Early Literacy Commission, And all of those key stakeholders that Shanna mentioned are represented as a part of that commission where we have parents, we have prep providers, we have teachers, we have system level leaders to be able to go back and look at the progress that we made and make recommendations moving forward. So, you know, it's an ongoing process, but that's the great part of it is that, you know, I don't think we ever end, we just continue to evolve and expand. Well, this is
2: just so exciting and I'm thrilled to be talking with you all at the start of this process and hopefully we can check in, you know, kind of regularly to see how it's going because it's work in action and uh, could be a model for the rest of the nation to follow. So thank you for all the work that you guys are doing and continue to do and I can't wait to follow it and see your successes down the line.
0: We appreciate it. And we thank you for giving us the opportunity to share the work that that we've been
2: doing. If you'd like to learn more about the great things happening at the Louisiana Department of Education related to literacy, visit louisianabelieves.com slash academics slash Louisiana dash literacy. You can also visit Shanna Bieber on Twitter at Shanna Bieber. Thank you for listening to our Ed Leaders in Literacy podcast. To find links to the articles and resources mentioned in this podcast, go to gleaneducation.com backslash edleaderspodcast and access them in the show notes. Bye for now. This episode was edited and produced by Nita Sharice.